Welcome to Murder Most Foul, a podcast devoted to exploring famous murder cases of our time. Some solved, some unsolved, but all fascinating and guaranteed to raise the hairs on the back of your neck. I'm your host, Jim Solonowski. Today's episode, Mommy's Little Girl. When news broke of three-year-old Kaylee Anthony's disappearance from her home in Florida in July 2008, there was a huge outpouring of sympathy across the nation. The search for Kaylee made front-page headlines. But a huge question mark began to hang over the case. The girl's mother, Casey Anthony. Did she or didn't she kill Kaylee? It is my pleasure today to be speaking with Diane Fanning, author of the book Mommy's Little Girl, Casey Anthony and Her Daughter Kaylee's Tragic Fate. Many of you probably know this case. If you don't, you'll know it by the end of this podcast. Good afternoon, Diane. Good afternoon, Jim. How are you today? I am doing fabulous. So this book, as I just said, was written before the trials. So your information was gleaned, and we'll, we'll get into a little of that, from, from not from court records or even from viewing the trial or newspaper coverage daily of the trial. This was all written. Uh, trial was uh, obviously, it gets to the point near the end of the book where we are charged and we are going to trial, but trial has no, uh, no point in this book. There's no, nothing about it. Right. The, the, uh, the trial didn't start till 17 months after my book came out. And um, as, as I said, it is very comprehensive. There are other, uh, there are many books out there, obviously documentaries, and, and we'll get into a little bit of the media nutsiness at the time. A little bit about how you put it together. In other words, some of your uh, sources that you, were, that you were able to get and why before a trial did you seemingly get uh, information from detectives or from, from other investigators? Well, it was a very interesting situation. There was a, such a media frenzy that um, the prosecutor was trying to find a way to distribute things that, in a, that worked best and didn't swamp his office. And um, he had an attitude, is once the prosecutor presents defense with information, then he's giving it to the enemy. So why not give it to everybody else? So that made it easier to get advanced information that would eventually be presented in a trial. And I was able to do that through a special website they set up. I got a, a, a password to it, was able to go into it. So I got a lot there. And I did a heck of a lot of telephone calling, trying to make connections with anybody who was involved in the case. And I also traveled down to Orlando and boy, was that a nutty place to be with that media frenzy going on. I have never been in a situation like that before. And it was like, you know, you, you try to get up front and close so you can talk to people one-on-one -on -one and, and you sort of get knocked about. But the worst part of it was 
Jose Baez was standing close to me and I took a step forward. I asked him a question and this big beefy guy that I guess was his bodyguard slammed me up against the concrete wall and said, you're too close. Stay back. Well, that kind of jolted my brain a little, but this deputy comes running up and he said, that's assault. You want to press charges? I'll be your witness. And (laughs) I thought, yeah, right. This is a circus already. I sure don't want to be part of this story. <laughs> now, we should mention, get some names out now, and more will come out as we go. Uh, you tossed out one already. Jose Baez was the lead defense attorney for Casey Anthony after she was charged, ultimately, with murder, um, and actually capital murder. Um, and the lead prosecutor, well, I don't know if lead prosecutor, but it seems to get most of the, the press, and he wrote a book, so I'll use his name, but I know there was, he was second chair, if you will, was Jeff Ashton. Um, and again, briefly, for those who don't know, the quick, you know, 10-second tw- version is a, a, a little girl, Kaylee uh, Anthony, disappears. Uh, for some reason, she's vanished for a while, and her mother it doesn't seem to know where she is or comes up with weird stories where she is. Ultimately, her body is found. Ultimately, she is charged with murder for various uh, uh, reasons of evidence. I like the questions on the back of your book, Diane, uh, which sort of, I think, really summarize it. Uh, And I'll just read those. Why did Casey Anthony wait one full month before reporting her daughter missing? Two, Why were searches for chloroform recipes found on her computer? And three, why did she go out partying with friends less than one week after Kaylee disappeared? Um, Probably, I'm not a lawyer, but probably except for the chloroform questions, the other two go to her, her, who she is or whatever, and that's not evidence in court. I don't know. But those are things that, that did come up and were explored in the, in the, in the case, and we'll talk about that. Um, is there anything you want to, before we start uh, really delving in, anything else you want to add to the plot, make it a little bit more interesting from what I did? Her mother was the one that forced her to go to the police. And when she, the police came to talk to her, she said she would show them where she worked at Universal Studios. The kind of person she was is very important. She led those police onto the studio lot, down the road, into a building, down hallways, before, just as she was getting to where she said her office was, she turned around and said, oh, never mind, I don't work here. What kind of person does that? The kind of person that lets her daughter go missing and not reported. And, and other, uh, again, things that come up in the, uh, in the investigation and in interviews with her and, and family that, again, I don't think I'm mischaracterizing her. She was a liar. She stole money. Uh, she would make up any story that suited her. And every time they discovered her in a lie, like the nanny, which we'll talk about in a bit, that uh, they tried to figure out, okay, well, this is why she did that. And I mean, certainly the defense said, well, she's doing, it's not nefarious. She made up this story because of that. And, you know, she didn't want her parents to know she didn't have a job. So she made up the nanny so she could, you know, have a life and, and leave the, the child with other people or whatever. Um, but every lie, as you said, they, the lies in the beginning, before she was even arrested, were to people 
who did believe her daughter was missing and she had nothing to do with it. Yeah, and basically, I, I heard a psychologist assess her as a malignant narcissist. And the explanation made it all make sense to me. I think that's what she is. It's always everything was about Casey. And if anything got in her way, she would lie around it. And it didn't matter who got hurt. Um, and one of the biggest lies that put everyone off for a long time, including her mother, her mother and her father, who again, get, we'll get into that, get dragged into the case and get butchered by the defense and their theories of the case. Uh, because that's all, you just got to confuse the jury enough, give them a theory, well, you know, uh, the aliens came down and took the baby. If they were going to believe, that's all you need. You don't, it doesn't have to be true. Just tell them that and see what happens. That, that's a little simplistic, but that's what right. a defense attorney can do. And so was the nanny. There was uh, uh, Zanny the nanny. And whenever in the beginning, her mom, after not seeing her granddaughter, Kaylee for you know weeks or days certainly days and then sometimes weeks on end where is she oh she's with the nanny uh, and the nanny's with her down in in, in uh, 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 Disney World and 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 excuses for not producing the body if you will the habeas corpus yeah. give, give me my granddaughter and so the same thing the police spent you know hours on in the field and hours on computers not as they're not as nice as they are today early you know Google and all that searching for this woman who did not exist, or am I wrong? Well, there was a woman with that name who did exist, who had been at an apartment complex where Casey had visited, and she snatched up that name probably from a visitor's log. The woman did exist, but not in the form that uh, Casey Anthony created. And it caused that woman a whole lot of trouble. She got kicked out of her apartment for her involvement. It was, it was a very unpleasant situation, but needless to say, Casey Anthony didn't care. That's one of the things that obviously clear as things go on, especially involving her, her family. No one was immune from uh, her stories. Um, some of them uh, given directly to the police when she was just being questioned, later given to uh, Mr. Baez, and we'll get into that whole story where he finally, quote unquote, in his book, he uh, says how he finally believes her. Uh, as my little bit understanding of a defense attorney, you, you never ask your client, did you do it? Right. That ham hampers what you can do. You can't suborn perjury and, and stuff like that. So if, if you know they did it and some, you know someone's going to testify they were with me, well, the person already said they did it. So I know they weren't with you. So I can't put you on the stand. So they don't, but he supposedly did ask her and she had a cockamamie story. We'll get on that. So uh, again, before uh, poor Kaylee is found, uh, everyone's running around assuming she's just missing. Uh, and many people are, are uh, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about the search agencies. It's called Aqua, Aqua Search or something. That sent Aqua Search um, came from Texas to help search for that girl. There were other organizations that send out search teams. Everybody was looking for that little child. She, like, captured everybody's imagination. Part of it was, you know, Stories who get big national attention 
uh, some of it is just serendipitous. There just happens to be nothing going on at that time when the story breaks. And that's what happened with, with little Kaylee. Plus, her grandparents had taken so many pictures of her doing almost everything a little tiny three-year-old would do. And she was adorable. And the world fell in love with her. I mean, I started following the case when it first hit the news, long before our, the body was found. And I was captivated by it. That it was such a sweet little face. And you desperately wanted her not to be dead. And of course, she, you know, as these cases most times turn out, she was. And so um, there, there is some debate or, or uh, again, I think obfuscation of the guy who found, uh, you know, at least tipped off the police twice, supposedly. Uh, and, you know, that again is, is, is in your book and people can uh, pick up on Mr. Uh, Kronk who was a meter reader who supposedly uh, turned, you know, got the information going. Um, so the body's found in a plastic bag, in a uh, canvas bag, or at least it started there, canvas bag, then plastic bag. Take us through your, your, your again, through the, the, the police reports, uh, the discovery of the body and where parts were and things like that, and, and anything about the body that was interesting. When the body was found, it was basically skeletonized. It had been out there and had gone through a flood. It had been underwater for a long time. So everything was kind of shuffled up. Um, and the there were water damage. There was water damage. There was heat damage because Florida... Um, can be a very, very hot place and makes bodies decompose quickly. And so there was not a whole lot left to do an autopsy on. Um, she did have a heart-shaped sticker on the duct tape that was over her mouth and nose. And that remained, kind of stuck to her hair, it was why it remained. And it was pretty horrifying. And when Kronk reported it, I, you know, I really think Kronk just wanted to be a hero. He wanted to be the one to find the little girl everyone was looking for. And, you know, the defense tried to put nefarious uh, things on him, but I, I don't think they belong there. It, he was just trying to be a good guy. And uh, it, was, it was really something that is unimaginable. If you had a child and you didn't know where that child was, if you had nothing to do with it, finding this would would put you into a tailspin. But if you did have something to do with it, when it's found, if you thought it would never be found, boy, that really sends you for a whirl. And that that's basically where Casey Anthony was. I mean, she 
I don't think she thought it would ever be found. Three months is a long time. Nobody's found it yet. And that poor little child was just tossed out like garbage by her own mother. Well, and his theories came up, and we'll get to the more nefarious ones, but uh, the, uh, the one obvious to us laymen, not lawyers, is when you find a body decomposed anyway, but in a bag, buried, um, and with duct tape across its, its mouth, uh, against the, against the, on the skull, and that's what you find. And again, because of the decomposition, there's no way for, to check for poison or to check for anything. You've got what you've got, skeletal bones. Um, the most benign thing, well, it, aside from the, the duct tape, um, what the benign thing they were first trying to sell, and they tried to discount the uh, duct tape because it doesn't match this, but was drowning, accidentally drowning. They had the family, the parents had a pool, an above-ground pool with a ladder, and I had one as a kid, and you always make sure you get that ladder. Now, us, I got a little, a little confused in the book, all the books about up and down, because... Uh, for us, ours was hinged. So up meant it was up safe. It was hinged up and chained so no one could get it. And down was how you get on the pool. How they talked about it, down was remove the ladder and put it down on the ground. So the child, yes. of course, is too small. Even if she can get outside and up a ladder, she can't lift that ladder up and put it on the pool. But there's talk, oh, we left the ladder up. She got out of the house when Casey wasn't paying attention, which is horrible but possible, lands in the pool and drowns. So then we either have the other two stories, father, her father, her grandfather finds Kaylee and presents it to Casey. Ooh, look what happened. I will take care of it. That was story one. Um, tell us about story two, which got a little bit more dark, still on the, on the, on the drowning concept. The, the story two was uh, that... Uh, George Anthony, the grandfather, had been abusing his daughter and his granddaughter, and he um, he caused this to happen. And he disposed of the body. The horrible thing is, is although it started as just a weird internet rumor, there's always billions of them with any big case. It was adopted by the defense attorney. And it really, to me, it was very unethical because what he did was put it in his opening statement, put it in his closing statement, and that's it. He didn't provide any evidence, and that's what you're supposed to do. When you declare something in the opening statement, it's, I am going to prove this to you in this trial. When you put it in the closing sentence, it says, I proved this to you in the trial. But he didn't, either way. And the jury is supposed to know that the opening and closing arguments by both sides are simply that. They're arguments, they're opinion, they're not facts, they're not evidence. But when the jury's talked after the trial, it was pretty clear they accepted as evidence everything Jose Baez said. And that was just a despicable act that was without ethics, in my opinion. And um, just on top of that, how would you feel if your daughter did that to you? 
your daughter murdered her own child and then tries to pin it on her father. And what's more, she threw her brother Lee under the bus and accused him also of sexually molesting her to the point where um, Lee's DNA was tested to see if he could possibly have been uh, the father of Kaylee. This is the point where you start, again, like I'm saying, as a, as a lay person, you have to look at, at behavior, past behavior, lying and cheating and getting out of anything. And so coming up with anything and someone, well, again, they tried, I think it's a defense attorney, tries to say, well, um, she, even if she was, say that the, the uh, in the first story, just a drowning, well, why didn't she just present the baby, you know, call 911, okay, you're freaked out, it, she's dead, she can't be revived. Well, so I don't, going through all the stories and then eventually uh, blaming your father versus admitting to an accident, that's why the duct tape and other things that come out later, I'm sorry, that's the path I go down because as horrible as it is to admit, I was watching a soap opera. I was smoking dope. I, I don't care what. I was not watching Kaylee. We know she can open the, the patio door. She got down the thing. Someone left the, the, the uh, ladder where she could get up and she got up it and she's floating in the pool. Whether her father found her or, or Casey found her, that is an accident. And it's horrible, and and you and you might get a uh, child neglect charges or something, but to go to do this now, the rest of this she ends up getting off scot free. Let's say that. But what's your take on that? Well, you know, of course, everybody knows when somebody dies from an accident. First thing you do is you duct tape tape their mouth and nose, right? Yeah, that's just a given. And really, to me, that says murder. That says premeditated murder more than anything else. And I do not know how that verdict was not guilty. And then the, again, then constructing the rest of it, um, regardless of how she died, there is other things that, again, are provable by evidence that however she ended up uh, dead uh, 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 Casey takes the body puts it in her car the trunk of her car that she uh, yeah uh, her parents car that she uses drives it around for a couple of days because she's I mean again this is still the day of pinging um, cell phones so they're able to trace you know so she's going right. around places uh, around the time she would be looking for a place to quote-unquote dump the body so it's it's Florida it's hot and so um, you know, she eventually finds this spot that the body is eventually discovered in and disposes of it and then leaves the car and then take us through the impoundment of the car. Well, the car was left in um, a parking lot and after it had been sitting there for a while, the business is called and said, wait, we don't know anything about this car. So it was hauled in to uh, an impound lot and the first thing anybody knows about this, aside from Casey, of course, is that the uh, Georgian and Cindy Anthony, they get a notice, but it's posted on their front door about the car, and they don't go in and out their front door, they go in and out the back. So that sat there for a few days. Then there was a holiday weekend, and so it took them a while to even find out that their car had essentially been abandoned 
and was now in a lot and they had to go over and pay to get it out. So when they went over there, George and the man who managed the store walked with, walked together out to the car. And when they got there, the smell was overwhelming. And they lifted the trunk. And George, at that moment, he was so glad to have someone with him because he'd been a sheriff in his past life. He knew what a dead body smelled like. And that is exactly the smell that was coming into his nose. And he was terrified that his beloved grandchild was going to be found in the trunk of that car. She'd been there, but she wasn't there when he opened it. It was just some trash and pizza boxes and stuff like that. But that was a horrible, horrible moment. And when he drove the car back to his house, he had to keep the windows all down because he would have gagged otherwise. And one of the things, again, I mean, it kept getting circulated, certainly from the defense, um, was, well, it was the trash. Uh, it was a pizza box. And I know in your book, you, re you recount um, some, uh, I think, local uh, television station or news station uh, who, you know, left pizza out for, you know, right. in, the, in the sun, whatever. And the point was so well taken, the guy says, well, it turns to leather. And when you go up and put your face right in it, it smells like pizza. So when <laughs> I left trash in our, my wife will attest to this. I have not emptied the trash. Chicken? Okay. Fish? Sure. But not pizza. And, yep. not, and I get no indication. The, tra the other things in it were like dry trash things, bottles and things. Like and, that. Was there any, any other food product in that bag? Everyone I've ever spoken to who has smelled a decomposing body will tell you nothing else smells like it. Even other animals, when they decompose, smell similar, but not the same. A human body decomposing is a very distinctive odor. And Casey had to be smelling that before she ditched the car. And, and he, this is her baby. She carried this little one in her body. And yet she can smell the smell of that child decomposing and just la-di-da. On June 21st, um, Casey wrote in her um, personal journal, I have no regrets, just a bit worried. I just want for everything to work out okay. I completely trust my own judgment and know that I made the right decision I just hope the ends justify the means. I just want to know what the future will hold for me. I guess I will soon see. This is the happiest that I have been in a very long time. I hope that my happiness will continue to grow. I've made new friends that I really like. I've surrounded myself with good people. I am finally happy. Let's just hope that doesn't change. And, and when you talk about the smell, uh, again, going back to the defense, and that's their job, but they were not only tearing down, you know, the, the prosecution's regular witnesses, their expert uh, uh, forensic evidence. I mean, come on, pick it on the dog. 
I mean, they said, you know, the dog that, what, what's it called, F uh, find on something? There's a special term when they, when they uh, you know, pick a, a spot or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they, at several places, like in the yard and at the... At the so and he hit on the scent, yeah, you know, over they hit, over. The, they hit on the car and they're trying to say, well, you know, could have been a dead squirrel. It could, and like I said, these, as, they, as the prosecutor said, these dogs are trained. The dog that was, one of the dogs that's being used was like several years in the business and they don't find pizza boxes smell. Right. They find right. body smell. And, and so, you know, and I, it's, it, 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 to me, it's not even a main, you know, thing that's going to switch me one way or another that that's how she got rid of the body. But uh, it certainly, it, it, you, uh, a jury wants to know pieces, parts. So they don't just want to right. be ended up in the, in, the, in the swamp. How'd she get there? And this was a perfect, perfect example, a perfect explanation that I fully can believe. I don't know. There was something wrong with that jury. I, I had a lot of debate with myself after the trial over, over whether there was something extremely flawed about our, our jury system. And I think it, there are problems with it, but I don't know that I want to ditch it right away. But those, that jury was not right. And a couple of things. One thing, they did not find her guilty of child neglect. Your child's missing for 30 days and you don't report it? That's child neglect, period. Even if you believe she didn't do anything. Then other jurors said, well, we knew she did it. We knew she killed that child, but the defense didn't prove, I mean, the prosecution didn't prove it. And you're going, okay. So if I'm in that position, when I'm talking about such a horrible, horrific crime, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I sure will hang that jury. Give the prosecution a chance to do it right. Because that woman killed that child and does not deserve to walk the streets a free woman. Um. It, it, one of the again, it, it went through the trial. I said it's not in your book, but be, but putting the two books of the of Mr. Baez and Mr. Ashton together, uh, written. I, I'd have to check them. I should have their their publication date. I think they're fairly close, so it's not you know years. So that trial, for whatever reason, the judge, the the participants, the jurors had bad pizza that day, pardon the pun, and that's what they came up with. But there is common sense. You're allowed to use common sense, as I said yes. before we started taping. I'm sorry, Lizzie Borden did it, as far as I'm concerned. O.J. Simpson did it, as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, and hang me for it, for having that opinion when they were both acquitted. Uh, but, um, yeah, which I love, you know, not innocent, found not guilty. We always have to remember that. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about, which I find a little bit of a red herring. I don't think it makes any difference, but the uh, prosecution wanted to give the jury all the tools they needed. So we have chloroform. Talk about chloroform. Chloroform, amazingly, can be made in your kitchen with some very basic things that most people have around the house, particularly if they have a swimming pool. And, um, I think that Casey Anthony whipped some of that up in her kitchen. She made Kaylee unconscious 
And that's when she put the tape over her face so that she would suffocate to death. The, um, the simplicity of being able to do that was something anyone could do, which is a little scary. But I think that's what she did. And there were traces of chloroform found in her car by credible scientists. And Baez totally tore down all the scientists. Now, I can, you know, he's supposed to give a defense, but somehow it seemed to get personal with him. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to respect the opinion of people from the body farm in Tennessee a lot more than I am a squirrely little defense attorney who wants to bit, who wants to win a big case and make a name for himself. They knew what they were doing, and I could figure out what had happened by reading their reports and delving into all the evidence that was connected to this case, the forensic evidence. And it, it, it was pretty obvious to me. And that jury, they had the right to see any of those forensic reports if they didn't understand what was being said in that scientific testimony, they could have reviewed the reports. They could have gone over them tooth and go. But no, they didn't. They didn't bother. And that's troubling. And. I, again, as I say, I think that's there to help the, I mean, it was there. They didn't, I don't believe they, they invented it either. I think it was clearly, there was enough evidence, uh, scientific evidence that, that there was chloroform and the, it's not the kind of thing that that smell is going to, or that chemical smell is going to be there for any other reason. Um, although they tried to push it off on, well, pool chemicals, whatever, but it's, it's more distinctive than that. Uh, and they had spectrometers and all that. Uh, but the other thing, I mean, I can be simplistic and say, okay, no chloroform, Benadryl, Xanax. Yes. So, mm -hmm. you know, you don't, this is fine. It's a good, I mean, they, they, they were, the recipe's looking up on the computer and all the rest of it. So it's a reasonable thing. We were, we hope, even as bad as this all was, that she couldn't stand there and hold a pillow over her face. So she came up with this, put her to sleep, and, and then we'll do that. Um, but I think there, I agree with you that the defense was doing everything to tear down every, and that's, again, quote unquote, their job. And the, the uh, prosecution can uh, redirect and all or cross examine. Um, but I, again, just reading the facts from your book is not, which is, which is not in the, uh, not in the, the trial. Not you're not in the courtroom. So this is just what's coming from police and 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 and, and investigators. Um, let's hit a couple of the guy, the people's names here. I know in in the book, um, oh, uh, the, the gentleman's name begins with an M. Yuri Millet. Yeah, yeah. So you you had some access to him directly, or was it just through the website? You know, the the government. Um, I had indirect access to him. I went through a PIO and was able to get a little from him, but it's very, that's very difficult to do. You don't, you can't speak freely, but I think that he was um, a compassionate man with a sincere desire for justice. And he started out as the the child investigator, right? In other words, 
he, it he's was, missing people. Yes. So he's like a day we have up here DCYF. Was he like a, a, an inspector or was he connected to the city or state as a child advocate? In other words, he wasn't a murder investigator to begin with. No, he was investigator, a missing persons investigator. That's what he was looking for. And he was looking for that little girl. He wasn't, he wasn't conducting a murder case when it started. Turned into a real life circus. There were flatbeds with bands coming by the Anthony house, playing songs they had written about basically how horrible Casey Anthony was. Cindy Anthony got her share of grief because I felt sorry for Cindy. She did some stupid stuff. She acted like an ass sometimes, but let's face it. She loved her granddaughter and she loved her daughter. And accepting the fact that your daughter murdered your granddaughter is a difficult thing to do when you do not want to believe it. And Cindy did not want to believe it, but she was, became one of the most hated women in the world along with her daughter. And it was kind of sad, but then there were people throwing stuff in her yard. They were gathering around the corner. The neighbors were complaining. Uh, and all across the internet, there were little Casey Anthony voodoo dolls. There were all sorts of memorabilia kind of stuff you could buy. It was outrageous, absolutely outrageous. And it was sort of a tourist attraction. Uh, yes, the there were buses coming by, to, buses full of old people coming by to look at it. Bus, you know, they stopped and didn't bring any school children thank God. But, you know, it was almost that bad. Everybody wanted to come by and see where the killer lived and where that grand, the granddaughter of, of those people had, had been living. And it was, it was crazy. The whole world was inflamed with that story. And they, of course, not, uh, not to benefit themselves, the, the family, but uh, Cindy and George, individually or together, were on several of the hot talk shows at that time. Again, appealing, if you've seen this little girl, uh, Geraldo, uh, Nancy Grace, uh, uh, the Today Show, you know, some of the yep. flew from coast to coast sometimes, I'm guessing, to actually, you know, appear live rather than do it remote. Um, and it also, the case also brought forth um, some people from the past. Now, these were the, these are, uh, this is out of uh, Baez's book, uh, that um, Henry Lee, the one of the big uh, examiners during O.J. Simpson, he was part of the defense team for a while, and then, then yeah. not clear why, again, he's not going to give anything bad in his book. So it's just, yeah. he went on. Usually, to, uh, usually when a big name person is called in by a defense attorney, and then they don't end up testifying at trial, that means like whatever they would testify would not make the defense happy. So I'd say Henry Lee was pretty much convinced of Casey Anthony's guilt. And then we had uh, Mark Furman showed up. This is according to Baez, that Furman said to him, asked him a kind of with a nudge, nudge kind of question, something incriminating about Casey and said, will you, will you tell me if X or Y? And he claims Baez, I looked him in the eye and said, Sure, I will. If you tell me if you planted the bloody glove. <laughs> and 
So all these buddies had a sense of humor. Um, I want to kind of close out with, before we get into any, you know, closing thoughts, uh, getting back to, which again is not um, evidence, the uh, behavior before, during, and after all this of Casey Anthony. And I, as a lay person, you know, not on the jury, I can't dismiss. Um, there is, uh, it's a pic there are pictures in um, Mr. Ashton's book of her out. And I, I don't remember the timeline. You might know whether she was already dead, a hot body party. And there's pictures of her grinding and what's it called, turking, twerking, whatever, uh, you know, with women, men, whatever, in a, in a um, Florida nightclub. Was that before or after? That was immediately after the death of her daughter, before the, anyone knew Casey, Kaylee was missing. And she, she was out partying, dancing, carry it on. She, um, she was acting like she'd never had a child in her life. Your parents are dying. Your parents are, you see them every day. They, you, they come to, the, to the, the jail and mommy, mommy, I want to see Kaylee. How can you do that? But you know she's gone and you made her gone. Yes, yes. Her behavior was so despicable. She gave motherhood a bad, bad name. I, as a mother, I cannot imagine the scenario that would make me behave the way she did and to continue her life. She does not know how to tell the truth. So I don't care what she said to anybody that made her look good. She was lying because the truth is not in her. My understanding is that George did not have anything more to do with her, but mom, Cynthia, she couldn't quite let go. Um, I, I, I don't know if she has now, but at first she could not, even after what Casey did to her husband. Right. I mean, that's why it's, it's uh, which one of you can I'm not going to forgive that there, that you killed and even if you want to believe still, if somehow Cindy wants to believe it was an accident, Cindy or uh, Casey was the one that was there and all this was because she didn't want to look like a bad mother, you can't get away from the, the accusation on the father to, to add to the story. So right, even right. if it wasn't premeditated, which like I said, you and I believe it was, um, that, that that step that she took through her lawyer, I mean, she didn't testify on the stand, um, that uh, was premeditated. And that was a story that she finally sold, according to Mr. Baez's book, that all the other stuff he didn't buy in the beginning, he didn't buy the kidnapping, he didn't, but he stayed away from anything else. He just said, okay, I'm not going down that road. It's not a kidnapping. It's not a this, it's not a that. Well, then she supposedly broke down. And again, the stuff that he puts in his book I guess is ethical because she probably gave him permission because she got off and she can't be tried again. That he has this longest where she breaks down and does this very graphic, which sometimes you may want to pick up, an incredibly graphic description that Casey is giving Mr. Baez of sex with her father. And that never made it into anything except his book. It's out there. Oral sex, uh, just horrible, horrible stuff. And, and, and whatever reason, at that point, he went, great, this, I can sell this without having to put anyone on the stand. I will find a way to infer this 
and destroy the man who's already destroyed. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Casey Anthony is very creative in making up lies. And she can be very detailed with her lies. And she has been practicing for many, many years before she threw dad under the bus. And I think it is despicable that she would do that to her own father. I do not find any credibility in that. I, you know, somebody would have suspected something. Not her mother, it would have been her brother. Somebody would have, but there was nothing there. There were no signs in um, Casey's behavior earlier that would say this is a sexually abused child. I don't think there's any there there. I just, uh, I'm just uh, appalled that anybody would do that to any man, worst of all to your own father. I agree. Well, it, there's, this has been a fascinating uh, almost hour here. Uh, and I don't know why they're not warning me on Zoom. You've ten, you're, you got 10 minutes left. Sometimes they forget. <laughs> Sometimes forget. Is there, uh, we're going to wrap up with uh, certainly your website and all that. So I hope you'll do it again. I mean, I will, I will point you to the finished product and you can decide then. It's mostly you. So I'm not going to do a lot of I'm babble. <laughs> I cut out some of my babbling, but I felt better about my babbling today. It felt more like a conversation than quote yes. interview, or certainly it's not a documentary. I got this copy from the library. It's falling apart. It's a it's a paperback. <laughs> and, and you know when you get a really it's you want to talk about well it's hot in Florida and the body smelled. It's like the the pages don't hold on. I sort of have to have them tucked in. But what is your next favorite? Uh, it's in, well, you didn't pick this, but what would be another favorite book for me to read and come back to you? Uh, written in Blood or Bitter Remains. Okay. Written in Blood, and the other one is Bitter Remains? Yes. Right. I'll read them both. My um, Barnes & Noble is finally reopened. Uh, for, for maybe curb service still. I don't know. That's all right. I just tell them and they bring, they put the book in a box and I give them my credit card number. So is there anything you want to say um, that we maybe didn't cover? I, I think not only we covered facts, but we've covered emotion, your emotion, my emotion, which is not, I think, unique to the world. And while you were writing it and researching it, the act had happened. And how emotional did it, did you go home at night sometimes and go, I don't want to touch this today? It, it was very hard because I kept thinking of my daughter at that age. And that's got to be my favorite age of child raising because they're just, I don't know, they talk about the terrible, they about the terrible twos. I thought they were absolutely wonderful. This child is becoming a person right before your eyes. She was a baby, and now she's becoming her own person. And I just love that time. And I can't imagine anyone doing anything to harm a child that small. And that haunted me. So yeah. uh, I have been speaking to Diane Fanning, who's the uh, author of many books. But the one that I have been fixated on is Mommy's Little Girl, which is a story of Casey Anthony and her daughter Kaylee's tragic fate. And I am guessing that you have a website. What would that be? It's uh, dianefanning.com. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Um, there's no fancy spelling. It's Diane as Diane. Fanning as F-A-N-N-I-N-G. Probably like Dakota. 
and she's everywhere. Or, oh, yes, my daughter. No, not her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, so anyway, go visit that. You can get the, obviously, you can get the, uh, the book on Amazon, uh, booksellers, anywhere, your local library. I got it at my local Audio books, yeah. Uh, which is great. It's a nice, yeah, it would be a nice book to take on a trip. My wife is big into audiobooks, and I am not. I want, again, thank Diane uh, Fanning, and, and I'm looking forward to maybe reading another one of her books and coming back to her. So I, uh, I hope you enjoyed this time, uh, you folks, and we'll go to my uh, page, uh, Murder Most Foul. It's on all your podcast platforms. This one will be up soon. Actually, if you're hearing this, then it's already up there. All right, I'm getting dizzy. So again, thanks a <laughs> lot. Again, I, I'm saying this right now. We are doing this during uh, still the COVID time, slowly opening. So uh, stay safe and uh, stay well. Thank you, Jim. Nice being with you today. In closing, let me uh, explain what uh, brought me to choose the Casey Anthony case at this point in time. And my answer is quite simple, a very macabre example of deja vu. I'm sure many of you are uh, familiar with a similar case that has just come to light out of Idaho. Lori Vallow and her new husband, Chad Daybell, will no doubt be charged soon with the deaths of Lori's children, J.J., and Ty Lee. Similar to Casey Anthony, uh, this couple, while the children were missing, for all intents and purposes, went off to Hawaii to become married and simply stated that the children were safe and were in a good place. Well, their remains have been found just recently. To quote the authorities, we know that JJ was wrapped in plastic. He was wrapped in duct tape. There was a white plastic bag over his head. Ty Lee's remains were burned. She was dismembered. She was buried in the ground. It's not like these bodies were simply buried in a decent manner. They were tortured. So that's where we are. I would appreciate if you would follow me on Twitter leave your comments, questions, or maybe if you have a favorite subject you'd like me to tackle next on Murder Most Foul. Uh, my Twitter account is simply Jim Solonowski. That's J-I-M, last name, S-U-L-A-N-O-W-S-K-I. Jim Solonowski. Again, thank you for listening. Until next time.